0: Welcome to Tech Interviews. This week, we go all DevOps as I chat with Black Marble's Richard Fennell. Enjoy the show. Uh, today, I've, uh, I'm back out on the road and here at uh, Black Marble in Bradford. Um, I've been to a fascinating uh, event today, and I'm lucky to get hold of one of the speakers, uh, Richard Fennell. Hi, Richard. Hello. How are you? Well? Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. And uh, fe- feeling relaxed after a couple of hours of presenting?
1: Always. Always reacts as you come off the end of doing a session. The relief is... Uh... Palpable.
0: (laughs) So, uh, so today's event has been around uh, one of um, probably one of technology's uh, most visible trends at the moment, um, and and certainly one for all the hipsters, uh, which is the idea of uh, of DevOps. Um, So, the event today has been very much around that. And um, so, I thought this would make an interesting discussion around actually what DevOps is. And, and how we might start along a journey of, of looking at whether that's right for us as an organization or not, and, and whether that's something that we, we might want to invest time in, in looking at developing. Um, so uh, maybe a good starting point, Richard, is to a little bit first actually about what it is you do and what it is Black Marble do. Mm-hmm. And then maybe a little bit about um, where you, what what your view of what DevOps actually is.
1: Yes, certainly. Uh, Well, my
0: name's Richard Fennell. I'm
1: the engineering
0: director at Black Marble.
1: Uh, Black Marble's been going scarily near 20 years now. Uh, We originally started off as a Java shop back in uh, 97. And when .NET came out in, what was it, 1999, we started to focus on that. And we've been a Microsoft partner in various guises ever since. Uh, The bulk of our work these days is we're a Microsoft Gold Partner software dev shop uh, focusing mostly on uh, integration projects. So we do a lot with BizTalk, Azure, Service Bus. Our commonest engagement is somebody comes along and they've got a collection of systems that have They're working fine, but they want to connect them together in some manner and maybe present them out with a new interface, maybe a mobile app or a website or linking to some other piece of connectivity. So that's the bulk of our business. But over the years, we've done a lot of joint development with companies and we often saw that projects were failing when we got called in because what you would think a core system to doing their development process were missing. There was no no source control, no automated builds, all of those things. And so we developed a practice, which is the part of the company I run, who provide historically, we'd have said ALM consultancy, application lifecycle consultancy. We're tending to call DevOps because we want to be trendy hipsters now. And where we go out and instead of arriving on a project after it's already in a failing state and trying to help, we try and get there early and provide consultancy in how people can sort their processes before they go wrong. So as that as I say, I'm a, I came from a testing background so I came through testing electronics test, now our lead ALM consultant or DevOps consultant um recognized by microsoft as the most valued professional for visual studio dev tools and i'm also an alm ranger which means i help microsoft write best practice guidance and all of the items that are sort of the gaps in visual studio and all of those that uh and tfs so to try and make the product more accessible and with the rapidly changing nature of the product with cloud cadence where new features get every Every out few, every few weeks, it's uh, quite a challenge to keep on top of these things. So we try and blog and get all of that information out
0: there. Yeah, this sounds like uh, you know plenty to keep you busy. Certainly in the morning. Uh, what you do in the afternoon, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, so i mean just going back to some of the stuff we talked about earlier on. Um, uh, uh, have you got a view of, uh, or, or even a definition of what you would, t- what, what, what you would call DevOps? It's
1: a problem at the moment that everybody's releasing DevOps products, and I say the one thing DevOps isn't is a product. It's a process, it's a philosophy. It probably comes down to, at a core, linking up all of the various parts of your dev IT story. So you've got people who are coming up with business ideas. They talk to developers, they talk to testers. Those things need to be built in a reliable manner. They need to be deployed in a reliable manner. You need to be able to provision systems. And DevOps is the sort of the grand sweep across all of that. So yes, it does involve tools, There are many tools out there that can help in the DevOps process, doing source control, automating deployment, all of those things in between. But what it also is, it involves the whole of your team talking to each other and having a common goal. And maybe one of the simplest ways with DevOps is that to think that everybody's job in the team, whether they be a tester, a manager, a dev, an IT pro, is to ship Working features so they can be used by your customer base, whether your customer base is internal or external. So DevOps is really the grand story of how do I make things get shipped into production in the most reliable manner possible that actually gives us a way that we can iterate and get stuff done to meet our customers needs.
0: So that raises a really interesting point, actually. And, and as you were kind of talking about that, it made me think about what is it that um, is, do you think is driving this kind of adoption of DevOps as an idea, DevOps as a practice? Where are traditional project delivery methods falling down? I think the main one has been the silos. You know, the agile movement,
1: to a degree, broke down the silos between dev and test. So if companies have gone down the agile route... Uh, they've probably got some cross-functional teams that have graphic designers in them and devs in them and testers, and they work to work together to produce stuff. For this unity of vision, but that movement didn't really address IT professionals. They sat on the outside of it in most organisations. You know, some organisations that were working well have been doing DevOps for years. They didn't call it DevOps, but everybody worked together. The DevOps movement now is very much sort of dragging the IT pro function into. That, that group that was built with Agile. It doesn't mean you have to have come via Agile to get there. People who are in a very traditional waterfallly process can still apply all of the learnings. A lot of it is about providing good automation. You don't want humans doing stuff. You want something that's reliable and does it the same every time. i have heard it said, you know, if you have a Word document as your process, you don't have a DevOps process. There's a human in there as an error. It's far better to have a script that does it if the script does it wrong, you can fix the script so it does it right next time and every time afterwards. With a Word document, they're still prone to human error. And that's always going to be an issue.
0: I think, as you mentioned before, the problem with the Word documents is tea stains and, and yeah. other things being spilt on it. Yeah. So, so do you think DevOps is um, as much a cultural shift as, as anything else? Yeah, it
1: certainly is. There, any organization that's going to go down the DevOps route, there will be a cultural change, e- even if it's just the case of... Breaking down that barrier, you know, not seeing the IT pro or the DBA as someone who's a barrier to your success. You know, you need that commonality of goal. And as with Agile, if you didn't have a sort of a board level sponsor backing you in an organization, that change isn't going to happen. The change cannot be imposed from the top, but it can certainly be blocked. Mm. So you need people on the ground who want to break down the barriers and move stuff forward but equally they need support from higher up the organizational chain to, to run some cover for them because you know you probably will take a bit of a step back before you see a step forwards you know so well we know we can do a release once a quarter and it takes us three days you want me to invest a man month's time to write scripts for that or to trial all of these things no that's ridiculous it only takes me two days to release but it takes you two days every few months. So it's someone who sees that it's worth making the investment to move yourself forward. And that can often be the hardest thing in many organisations, especially large organisations, to free up that time.
0: You mentioned there actually different types of organisations and, and it just gets me wondering about whether, I mean, do you have a view of whether DevOps is something that is applicable in all types of organisations? Is there some organisations where this kind of cadence of deploy and cadence of releases is, is maybe less appropriate or, or do you think it's always got, is always a home there to kind of improve development process?
1: I think there's still all organisational styles and all business areas, there are benefits from these techniques. You may well be in an organisation where you do only release a product once a year. Say you do payroll systems and you have to release once a year because HMRC changed the rules after the Chancellor's budget or the plans change and that's the only time you change. And that's fine, That doesn't mean you can't use these same practices doing the development for the other 11 and a half months a year and you just never fire the bullet to do the final one into production. But you still want production to be deployed in exactly the same way as you would manage for all the previous steps because you've been testing that all year. So you might release to your integration box every time somebody checks in and you might release to your QA box once a week and you, but you might only release quarterly or yearly somewhere else. I wouldn't say that's good practice and you probably should be considering releasing more often and using things like feature flags so you can push features out without enabling them for customers. But there's lots of flexibility and I don't think you can fault the argument that at any stage you want to be automating as much as you can. Whether that be scripts for deployment, scripts for provisioning systems in Azure, like uh, my colleague Rick this morning was talking about ARM templates for provisioning reliably in Azure, or equally just looking at can I automate my testing? You know, what can I do with my testing to make it run quickly and reliably? Because human testing, somebody clicking through pages on a website is a very expensive resource and often the most common bottleneck in releasing a product where people have to do an awful lot of testing. If you can get it so those tests are either automated through the UI or better automated through web interfaces or web API or DLL interfaces or whatever, you can run those tests far cheaper, far more reliably, and your devs get a signal that they've broken stuff much sooner. And that's one of the biggest boons to the whole DevOps and arguably Agile, fail fast. You want to know that that release you've just done didn't compile, didn't pass integration tests, didn't do whatever because it's fresh in your mind the change you've just made. The worst thing you can do is have a product ship it and be told oh it failed QA testing three months later and you can't for that life of you remember what you did. So you're pouring back through code history that's maybe somebody else's whereas if you find out in 20 minutes that something you've broken you probably only just made a cup of tea anyway. So it's fresh in your mind what you just
0: did so fixing the problem should be quicker. I take it from a business point of view as well, then that's going to lead to far more efficiency, far more effective deployment, which I assume can lead to things like, you know, getting products out the door to your customers quicker. I mean, is that is that one of the benefit areas that people see? Certainly. And, you know, it's when people hold up stuff about DevOps and the people are succeeding at DevOps, they always
1: hold up the Facebooks, the Twitters of this world. the huge organisations who are running many systems, but more importantly, many instances of a single system lots of load-balanced stuff, and they can play games by bringing up separate instances hidden behind load balancers and things. And the game's different for them than somebody who's got one website and they're just looking at swapping out the one website. So the tools that are applicable and the techniques do vary between different companies. But yes, in all cases, a fast, automated, reliable deployment pipeline is a boon to a business. It's interesting, one of the biggest gains we've seen as particularly around the sort of the IT pro automation side, has been the ability that it gives people to experiment. If someone's got to build an environment and it involves them ordering for some, piece, ordering some PCs and then putting an operating system on them and then configuring them all up and then going, there's your test lab, and that's going to take some period of time or days. It's a bit quicker if it's virtualized, but it's still going to take time. If you can swap that so that someone's got a script that's under source control that they know every time they hit go, whether it be via a uh, build release pipeline or just running a command line to trigger that script creation, uh, that, that environment creation, it builds an identical system every time. You can then very easily go, well, what happens if I treble the amount of memory in my, ser- in my SQL server? Does it make it faster? Does it make it slower? If I put two SQL servers in load balance, does that help? Because these are relatively small changes to a script to the templates that you're using so experimentation becomes a great option so you it's too often in business and certainly in it that we talk about in software to prematurely optimizing you think this is where it's going to be slow so someone spends loads of time fixing that bit of code never bothering to check if that's the slow bit of the code so now the general consensus write it quick get it up there run it in production have a look when i say production that might be a qa lab not end users but Look at it with real data, look at it with real stuff. And the whole DevOps movement, because of its, as well as talking about the automation of dev and deployment, we also talk a lot about adding instrumentation to apps. So we're getting real world data to go, oh, I always expected the SQL box to be the bottleneck, but it turns out it's the web server. So maybe putting in bigger, harder web servers helps, or maybe having smaller web servers, but more of them. It allows you to say, what if I push? What if I pull? It lets you engage you in a toddler and fiddle around with these things, but in a controlled manner. It's not just somebody randomly going in and twiddling knobs. Or if you just bought that server and you found, oh, I bought a 64-core server. Turns out I needed a 32-core one, but with six times the memory. Well, I've bought it now. When you're in the cloud solutions, irrespective of the cloud you're in, those type of tweaks very cost effective to do, and especially like the demo I did today, we were only deploying a basic website, but into our integration lab, we span up all of the infrastructure in Azure that was needed, deployed everything, ran our automated tests, and then deleted it. That test site lived for five minutes, 10 minutes at most, Uh, so that's the only time I'm paying for, and that can be quite a compelling story as to Moving from a capital expenditure, of well, I've got to have that web server sitting there all the time for me to use for a few minutes a day in reality. So it can certainly change what makes your business competitive by moving things from capital expenditure to uh, monthly outgoings.
0: I mean you've covered lots of fascinating stuff there and I think um yeah, you can see the benefits of this ability to uh, you know try things out get mm-hmm. things out quickly but I really like the idea as well of being able to do that in a controlled way you know in a, in a world where we're very much concerned about data security mm-hmm. the idea that we've got control and desired state configurations that we can easily deploy mm-hmm. i think it's got some real benefits so um i, I mean I, i'm aware of the time so I just maybe just to wrap up on a couple of things here so obviously you mentioned before that devops is not a thing that you buy you know it's not a product um, but is there some some standard things maybe some standard ideas or some standard tools that maybe anybody who's considering devops could maybe look at
1: yes i think the keys in any devops story is you need code under source control and that is all code, not just your C-sharp, your Java, your whatever. It's your scripts. It's whatever you use to provision your environments. We were talking about ARM templates. You then need a mechanism for building those automatically. So when somebody checks in or on a timer or whatever, you need to build them. So that's probably a, an automated build system like TFS, VSTS, or Team City, or Jenkins, those sorts of tools. It doesn't matter which one you pick in many ways. And obviously, I work for a Microsoft Gold partner and I make most of my... Uh, living uh, doing consultancy on TFS and VSTS so I favour those tools but there are other tools out there that do uh, jobs on different platforms. Uh, Once your build box is building your packages that you wish to deploy uh, you want something that can manage the release that might just be you run a script from a command line but better to look at an automated release pipeline that's maybe bolted into your whole of your ALM tooling chain and then providing that fast feedback at the end you want a mechanism so you can also provision out the infrastructure where possible as if it is just another piece of software and the same holds true for your database you want to the ability to manage your database schema so I think the key ones are source control ability to build scriptable way of deploying those are the three things and the cultural change pick those up and run with them and make sure people don't jump around the edge of the process you know you've got to commit to the process people want to go the only way i am allowed i can release is to go via the formal pipeline not carrying things around on usb sticks to bypass the thing so the people often talk about habitability in systems if the system you create is so complex that people hate it they'll find a way to go around the edge so you want to make the system conducive to getting the job done don't add artificial barriers so you need to think about how you adopt each of these stages so they're seamless if you're doing it right you get to the point that people work I know I can release to production I all have to do is check in and everything after that's just automatic it just chugs through the system they don't need to know that it has to be approved by 16 people on the way as long as everybody those 16 people are getting their messages and they're doing their approvals
0: it's right I think there's an awful lot to be said, and it's a podcast episode in its own about the idea of simplification yeah. and making the uh, making the end result. Being I mean, it was mentioned a couple of times actually in the event today about actually the thing I'm interested in is the end result, how yeah. it gets there. That doesn't necessarily matter. So I mean, just to wrap up, because appreciate you've uh, you know have got a real job to do rather than just sitting here nattering to me. And rather nice chairs, it <laughs> must be said. Um, so um, if. People obviously, Black Marble as an organisation, and I was amazed when you were saying about how long you've been around because I think um, I think I've known you guys probably from the start, uh, which makes me feel very old. Um, but for you people, yeah, well, <laughs> but for people who want to get on that kind of DevOps journey or interested in whether it's the right kind of thing for them, I believe some things that Black Marble can do to kind of help them to make, by way of some kind of workshops. Yeah. What, what, what's that?
1: Well, we offer general consultancy services around DevOps, uh, but one of the main ones we offer in the area is we do a, a five-day jump start where we come out and initially we do just like a scoping workshop with people going through what do they need what are they moving forwards we then actually build using Azure trial subscriptions of VSDS trial it's a fully working system so that people can see how everything hangs together. And then we produce a roadmap out of that to help people move forward to migrate to the sort of the modern DevOps way of working using the VSTS or TFS toolings, depending on what people are interested in. So that's a, a service we quite commonly offer these days.
0: So that, so that sounds good, and that sounds a great way to kind of an organization maybe to dip the toe in yes. the DevOps waters, if you like. So well, just to wrap up then, so if people... Um, if people are interested in the kind of things we've covered and you know and I think lots of people are interested in DevOps and and what it might mean to them uh, what's a good set of resources they can get and maybe if they've got some questions either about the conversation we've had or maybe some of the services Black Marble do what's a way for them to stalk you online and find these kind of things out well the stuff on the that the
1: company offers is just on the main Black Marble website so blackmarble.com you'll find details of all of our services up there for myself uh, the best bet is to probably look on our blog server so that's blogs.blackmarble.co.uk uh, you'll find my blog and the blogs of all of our members of staff there. So I blog a lot about the DevOps stuff I'm doing. On my particular section, you'll also find a section on uh, presentations that I've done. So there's quite a few video presentations that link off to stuff I've done about DevOps and other subjects on Channel 9 and other conference resources. So they're always useful. You can always get messages through to me via via my blog's contact or reach out to me on Twitter. on Richard Richard on
0: on Twitter. Richard, that's fantastic. It's love. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate the event that you've done for us today as well. That's been been fascinating stuff. And uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you about some more DevOpsy stuff in some point in the future. Okay, thank you. I hope you enjoyed that. I think Richard there uh, gave us a great introduction to DevOps and, and how you might start building a DevOps practice. If you want to catch up on some of the resources he talked about, then check out the show notes over on techstringy.com uh, where I've got links to uh, the blog site, uh, Richard's Twitter account, and also to the uh, Black Marble website. Next week is the first of a couple of interviews with Microsoft Tech Evangelist, Matt McSpirit. Uh, We'll be talking more DevOps and Microsoft View of the World. um, And we'll also be looking the following week at Azure Stack. Um, So if you want to catch that episode, then why not subscribe? You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and all other good homes of podcasts. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next week.